is a podcast uh, designed to be a resource for families trying to raise faithfully and fully committed disciples of Jesus. My name is Zachary Wall, and I am joined by my co-host, Steve Miller. Steve, it's hard to believe, uh, but this is already episode number three of our podcast. We've managed to put three of these things together. I know. It must be working pretty well. So last week we discussed, we started this mini-series within this podcast, and we're really talking about how to build faith at home starting from birth all the way through we haven't really decided, but at least through high school graduation. And last week, we talked about that first stage of life, so pretty much anything before elementary school. And I liked the analogy you used last week. And you said that that age group, if you could sum them up how they learn and stuff, they're a sponge. Why was that? Well, they just take everything in. And, and really, a lot of things that we talked about last week... Um, may not be a ton different than when we talk about this week or the next time uh, as we tackle a little bit older group. Um, a lot of the principles of it, that fact that the modeling of our behavior, that really when it comes down to it, um, the faith that we're going to build in our children is the faith that we have built in ourselves. And those kids at that youngest age, they just take it all in. Um, uh, we ref- we referenced some songs and some things that kind of play that out. And we referenced the use of songs. And I think um, as we break into a little bit uh, older group, maybe the elementary age group today, uh, I'll go back to what we said last week, the power of songs, the power of uh, maybe last week we talked about uh, songs that tied into Bible stories and tied into some things. As we get a little bit older kids, some of those Devo type songs where they're really just singing scripture that's huge it, it, right it's a it's a great application so so i can't underscore enough the fact that uh, as we talked about last week um, our kids are going to do what they see in us that sponge kind of thing no matter the age really and that the bottom line is the things that we throw out uh, in these few uh series of this podcast and the few specifics that we have going on um really come down to making the time, making the effort. You might find something a little different. Uh, we referenced some things, some books, some thing, online resources. Um, you might find what works best for you, but it's really about making the time to do it and making a conscious effort. And if you've found us out there on uh, uh, Audible or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, um, you might be looking for, for some of this information or some of those ideas. So we hope to, uh, to spark some of that thought and some of that conversation. If you are, uh, paying attention to the podcast, please uh, uh, like it, share it, uh, put the word out there that uh, maybe uh, the couple of us guys, couple coworkers, couple of good friends uh, have a little bit that we can share with you and uh, create some dialogue in your uh, family and your faith and in the village around you. Yeah. So this week, we like Steve said, we want to specifically talk about this elementary age group. And if we had to put like a number to that, I would say what, it's typically five to six-year-olds through 11, 12-year-olds? Right, so, there. so, it's, so that, it's that kindergarten through fifth grade, kindergarten right. through sixth grade maybe, right? kind of depending on where you live, sixth grade, maybe junior high, it may be uh, yeah. elementary school, but but yes, sir, that's uh, that's the same breakdown that, that is you and I talked that I had. Right, and that, as I was reflecting on my childhood and growing up, 
and specifically faith building, one of the things that I thought about in this age group, if the youngest age group are sponges, then this age group are the question askers. I mean, it's so many questions. The very first thing I have in my notes and and Zachary and I don't necessarily compare notes. It's been no. it's been yeah. pretty interesting. Um we put our stuff together kind of separately and then get together to talk about it with each other and with y'all and um just in those first few how how much they've lined up. The first thing uh, that I have in my notes is this is the why group. Right. This is the group that's asking why. And uh, for my wife, Michelle and I and our four kids, the the focus on that why group has been um, so often it's very easy to say as a parent when a child says why. Well, it's because I said so. It's because I'm the dad and you're the kid. And, yep. and there's a lot of things in life where that's what we need to say. My <laughs> kids probably have been tired of hearing that. But when it comes to building faith, in your children, um, we don't want it to be because we say so. We don't want the answer to their why questions about the Bible, about God, to be, well, because we say so, because that's what we do. Um, One of the things we've really made an effort on is when it comes to building faith in our kids, we go to what does the Bible say? Why do we go to church? Why do we have to get up every Sunday morning when Johnny, my friend from school, never does? Well, not because mom and dad say so. What does the Bible say? And we've really, um, in our kind of daily devotions that we do with the kids, um, we've really tried to break that down because this is the group that's asking the questions. You're exactly right. And there's so many things going on in the life of these age of students. So you're starting school. That's something new. Uh, most of the times, you're probably starting some type of sport, organized sport, yep. yep, something like that. Uh, and there's new friend groups because now it's not just your church friends, it's your school friends, and how do you balance things like that? So, Steve, you've had four children, and almost all of them are now out of this or nearing the end of this stage of life. What are some of the questions that you have had to deal with that they have come to you and ask the why or the when or the what, you know, things like that. And how did you and your wife handle those? A lot of the why at this age, I think, and, and the questions that we've addressed and, and really come down to even at this age, even though they're asking why, even though they're developing a little more than that group we talked about last week, um, kids are still very literal. So when we get into the scripture and we get into Bible stories, this is where we start differentiating from, you know, you've seen or heard the story of the toddler who thinks that Pontius is a pilot. So he flies planes, right? (laughs) Um, But now these kids are getting a little bit older and they, they, they understand that, okay, Pontius pilot, that's a name, but what does that mean? And what, so you're taking now, they're taking it a little more literally and for us to really kind of bridge that gap, uh, because there's a lot of abstract uh, writing in the Bible, right? A lot of things that say one thing but mean another. And how do we do that with our elementary age kids? And for me, someone who works in children's ministry um, and who even before I worked in children's ministry had kids at home, um, object lessons are huge. When you can take 
one of our favorites, when you can read about the armor of God and, and the scripture, God's word, we can't improve upon it. It does an awesome job of basically telling us how those things relate. But at the same time, if you're an elementary school kid, you're still thinking, how do yes. I make armor right. and my spiritual life and all these things right. tie together? But when you can take that orange, I don't know if you've ever seen the the orange lesson, uh, the object lesson using an orange on the armor of God. Don't think so. So basically you take an orange and, um, and a pitcher or a bucket of water and essentially you have kids peel the oranges, drop gotcha. them in the water, they, they sink. sink. They're right. absorbed by the things right. around them. Then you, what do you think happens with the peel on? They float. The water, you know, it's impermeable, I guess, yeah. maybe, or less permeable. Right, it right. Maybe be a more scientific <laughs> way to say it. But but then when, when the kids see that, when they feel that, when they can see how that skin armor, if you will, of the orange applies, it just gives it that literal level. It breaks it down a little bit more where they start saying, okay, so we're not talking about a knight from the movie Beauty and the Beast that comes alive to fight Gaston. We're talking about something that God gives us to to combat what's going on in the world around us. And so uh, for us, I would say object lessons, um, that's true in our home. That's true in what we do in children's ministry with our Bible hours, children's church, even Bible classes. This is an age group that really gets in to the hands-on, you yeah. know, how can how can we make something or build something or show something that translates to some of that uh, maybe tougher questions in the Bible? I think the figurative language um, is one of the big whys and things. I think also uh, this is an age where context comes into play because in a lot of the stories, these kids are a little old enough now that we can say, well, this was going on when this was written. This was going on as this story was told, when we talk about uh, the Good Samaritan, when we go through that parable, we can explain what, you know, while it doesn't, the scripture doesn't necessarily say what the Jewish people would have thought of Samaritans. Right. It's implied. Right. It's there's, there's some figurative yeah. things there as, yeah. as Jesus tells the story. So we need to break that down to our kids and stop the story right there and say, the reason that this story has such an impact is because of how they felt towards the Samaritans, those type of things. Just really taking the context, yep. um, I think is huge. We talked about a little bit last week, uh, and and I know you have some things too, so jump in here. But another one we talked about um, last week that I think still applies to this is being a storyteller. Don't get, um, don't be the parent that that's drifting off to sleep reading the book. And Zachary, you haven't experienced this <laughs> yet, uh, as you and Taylor don't have kids, but. Um, I'll, I still remember reading Dr. Seuss books or Good Night Moon, and I'm falling asleep as I'm reading them next to my kids, and I'm slurring words, I'm sure. <laughs> That's not how we want to tell right. or read these Bible stories. We right. want to put some personality in it. We want mm -hmm. to put some energy in it. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, I would say those those three things have been um, big players in how we kind of impart the Bible and faith as, itself yeah. um, in our kiddos. Yeah, for sure. Uh, their curiosity at this age is very high. They're wanting to learn, and oftentimes it's very interesting is that this age group seems to seems to be some of the smartest people in regard to things in the Bible. It's like so they soak it in in that first age group, and now they're starting to ask questions and not just hear the stories, but saying, "Well, why did this happen? Why did that happen?" 
and we have great teachers here that will explain all that. I, every Wednesday and typically on Sundays pre-coronavirus, uh, our sixth grade class would meet over in the building where the youth group meets as well. And the teacher of that sixth grade class, he came up to me a few weeks ago and said, man, I just can't answer all the questions that they're asking. It's like, I don't have enough time in the class. And that's a wonderful thing. And I think maybe, maybe sometimes the older we get, when we should be asking more and more questions, we kind of stop asking questions. Uh, And I think they learn so quickly in this age group because of the questions that they ask. And one of the questions potentially that's going to come up in this age group at least it would have in my family and I'm going to assume maybe in Steve's family is the question well when should I get baptized what about baptism and how do you navigate that within your family because that's a big decision and you may be thinking well that age group I mean that's a pretty young age group so Steve do you have experience with that particular question and if so, how did how did you handle that? Well, we do. We uh, obviously with four kids, um, we have our oldest, um, same house, same things going on. Um, maybe who she is now baptized, but she showed less interest or less focus on it at an early age. One of our other children, who's still pretty young can answer all the questions. You know, if you, if there were a checklist of things that you needed to say in order to maybe show that you understood, if, if anyone can really comprehend just right. how um, awesome that is, um, he can do that. But there's other things that come into play, other things that come into, um, sometimes it's not just about what they can say or what they know, but can they... Um, apply it and I think the application of scripture and especially in things like baptism become a huge thing at this age Mm -hmm. so whereas that that first age we talked about last week we're really just getting scriptures getting ideas getting the bible stories on their heart and on their mind well now we can apply it a little bit even more so than giving context about what the Jewish people might have thought about Samaritans but now how do you apply that in your life? You as a um, one of my kids in, in fourth grade. So you, Jocelyn, when, when we read this story, when we talk about it, how can you be a neighbor? How are you a neighbor right now in fourth grade? And, and sometimes the answers to those type questions, even as we look at, um, at baptism and salvation, really can show you kind of where um, your kid, your child is at. And you know, it's one of those things you never want to deter that. This curiosity that, that you've brought up so much, this is what we want. We, we don't ever want to deter it. We don't want it to be, well, you're just not ready or you're just not old enough. If we've talked about context, right. if we've talked about application, our kids are going to show us a little bit Yeah. when they're ready. Too. Right, right. Absolutely. That's a good point. Uh, there's some issues that are most likely going to arise in this age group. So we talked a little bit about extracurricular activities, and those present their own challenges. Uh, but then there's also this one at the end of this age group, and it's that this statistic that 
most likely by age 11, your children will be exposed to pornography some form or fashion, whether they sought it out, didn't seek it out, whatever, by age 11. And research has shown that that's probably going to get younger and younger. So although I don't have children of my own, I know that if I'm waiting until my kids are in junior high, you've waited far too long to have a serious discussion with them about sex and all things sexual. Uh, And I know that's one thing that I think too often, maybe it's just shyness or we're scared or don't know the exact words to say, but that's a conversation that must come up in this age group. And we don't. Having the words to say in conversations like that is is hard. The yeah. hard conversations. Parenting sometimes is really summed up in the hard conversations. Building faith really yeah. is probably right. summed up in the hard conversations. So while we may not have the words, if we've built a relationship in our toddlers and now in our elementary age kids of not just now reading the stories, but talking about, and I can't come back to it enough, the con- the context and the application. The Bible gives us some things to address. These We can talk about it rather than skipping over that, right? We may think, oh, when we read about these things and who wants to have a conversation with their child about what fornication is or yeah. pornography right. is. Right. But as our kids get a little older and we read those things in context, there are okay ways to, and, and it's not that you have to dwell on it. It's not that you have to um, just really absorb it, but you can't skip over it either. It's right. that blend, and it gives you an opportunity to have some of those conversations at a, at a younger age. Yeah, and I guess in a perfect world, your child's, let's say, I don't know, eight years old, and you read across a passage that mentions fornication or sexual immorality, and they say, well, what does that mean? And you're like, ha this is my opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I can do it now. <laughs> and yet, you still won't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is that if your kids are in a school, even a private school, come fifth or sixth grade, they're going to be talking about some of that stuff as well. So to, to your point, Zachary, if, if you wait... Uh, you're going to be late to the party. on Yeah. That. Yeah. And in coming from a Christian perspective, and I've thought it's about the church as well. Wouldn't you much rather have Christians or your parents or your Bible classes or your church teach your kids about these things rather than a public education system yeah. or someone that you're not familiar with? Uh, so that's an important conversation. And it's uh, important to be had. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to that point, it's, um, those of you listening who have kids who are approaching an age where some of this stuff may be taught and talked about in school, um, most schools will present this information to parents. Will um, I know uh, where we are, the school district will show you the video that they're going to show and let you determine if, if your student needs to see that or if you need to talk about it more at home. Um, so that's another thing, just another step you as parents can take. Find out when it's going to be taught, find out what's going to be taught and, and take an active role at that point. Um, utilize uh, that knowledge is, that Zachary was talking about so that you can have a little more control of the situation. Right. Last week, we mentioned a little bit, we talked about read the stories to them. Uh, 
Let them hear those Bible stories, those great stories of faith throughout, uh, miracles, you know, anything in the Bible. We also talked a little bit about prayer. And the thing with those two categories, the prayer and the Bible reading, those are ones that, you know, they continue with us throughout our lives. Uh, And they're very important to continue with us throughout our lives. Zachary and I both enjoy golf. Um, Zachary played quite a bit, maybe a little, quite a bit younger than I was when I played, uh, or I still play now, but when I started playing, uh, I've got some very good friends who are very athletic guys. They were guys who played lots of sports in school and they go back now and they say, well, if I could go back, I would just do golf because I can do it forever. I'm not going to be 60 and getting together with my buddies to play tackle football or run a, you know, (laughs) 400 hurdle or something, whatever track does. Um, In the same way, this analogy is a little bit of of a stretch and maybe just gave me an excuse to talk about golf for a second. But the prayer and the Bible stories are those things that we're going to take with us forever. So you can't, say enough how important it is for um, not just your kids to see you pray and to see you in the word, but to do it with them. And we talked about it in toddlers, having them actually pray. Um, that's another huge thing at this age, having them say the the prayer, maybe at dinner, having them, if you pray on the car ride to school, like we do have the kids say it, mm-hmm. um, uh, that prayer, those Bible stories, you're going to take them with you forever. No matter what's going on in your life at whatever age, that's a uh, a baseline that you can always come back to. So I think it's huge to just keep that going. One thing that's huge in this age group, any age group, we've mentioned it over and over, I feel like, is that your example is going to go a long way in the lives of your kids, especially at this age. So what you do, they're going to soak up. They're going to say the words you say. They'll do the things you do. So it, you know, it's very crucial of us to make sure that things we're doing are things that we want to see within our students, within our children as well. So a couple things that I'd written down, and, and I just label this, what can parents do in this age group? One of the things I wrote down is show that church is important. The other thing I wrote down is show that Jesus is important. Because I, I like to separate those two, although they're you know very similar. I like to separate those two because church, meaning you know, Sunday morning church is a little bit different than you know Jesus, your time or when you're traveling or something. Those are two a little bit different things. So I had a quick story that came to mind. I was at church camp one year uh, when I was fourth, maybe fifth grade, and church camp always was in the playoffs of Little League Baseball. Always in the playoffs. It was so difficult to be with a team, you know, the whole year. And then in church camp, uh, I remember my parents wouldn't let me at one point go play that game. And that was that was just so tragic in the moment. I was so frustrated and upset. I didn't really like church camp at that age at all. I wasn't excited to be there. And then looking back on it now, it's like, you know, that showed me something. It showed that they valued one thing more 
than the other. And I'm not saying if I would have gone to the game, it would have shown anything less, but it showed me that they thought that was that important in the moment. Not that skipping a few hours of that camp would have been costly to me, but rather it was just, it's that important. We want you there because it's an important thing. And that made a big impact. Absolutely. Showing those things, parents showing those things to their kids is, um, we can talk about telling the stories. We can talk about singing the songs, but really showing the priority, showing that uh, uh, in the instance of our family, when there's not a pandemic going on and we have our regular Wednesday night events, if a team's practicing that we're on, we tell the coaches up front right away, you know, we can't do Wednesdays. We can't do Sundays. And hopefully my, that's something my kids take with them because my wife and I now, to your point, they don't always understand that. And we have to have more conversations about it. And we go back to what does the Bible say about it? Um, but, you know, the practice versus church, the game versus church. That's another huge way where this age group, because they're getting tuned into all the different extracurriculars and none of those things in and of themselves are, they're not bad things. They're active, great things for your family, but where do you place them as far as in the, in the schedule and in the dynamic of the family um, is huge at this age. Another thing in this age group, this is a great time to look at daily devotionals, daily scripture readings, um, maybe the Bible in a year type plans. Um, as you get into elementary and you've got readers looking for those type of things to work into your schedule um, is also a, a great resource at this age. And, and again, it goes to show, well, if if I'm going to make my, my boys shoot free throws after practice until they make a certain number, I'm going to make them do, am I making them do some of those same type of things, a daily devotional, a daily scripture, uh, go through the Bible in a year type thing. Um, kind of those same principles that we might apply in other aspects of our life come right back into play in faith building. And the reality is most likely if it's not shown from the very beginning, if you ever try to switch later on, it's going to be met with some extreme resistance, Mm -hmm. right? The older you get as a student, you keep working your way up and then all of a sudden your parents say, nope, no Sunday, no Wednesday games or practices. We're going to Go there, they're like, you know, where was that the, my whole life? Uh, it'd be very difficult to do. So showing this from the beginning plays a big role in the minds of these students. Backtrack a little bit. Last week uh, with the toddler kind of age group and, and pre-K, we talked about those uh, really utilizing children's Bibles, the storybook type Bibles, and really getting into to that because it was put together by people who were focused on that age group and, and really use it as a resource. And I would say in this age group, I kind of have a, another go-to, uh, and that is using a Bible that is the N-I-R-V. So, and essentially what that is, is it's the New International Version, but it's got that lowercase r thrown in there, N-I-R-V, and it's basically the reader's version. And the way they break that down is essentially it's the NIV Bible, the NIV translation, but at like a third grade level. So maybe some of the bigger words are broken down into uh, 
two words that mean the same thing, but they're easier to read. They're easier to understand. Um, still goes to the to the the Greek translations. It still goes to right. um, you know the Hebrew and the Old Testament, but it's making it a little bit easier to read. It also um, the headings that you have on like sections of scripture. There's also more of those in an NIRV, so it breaks it up a little bit more, gives yep. a little more focus to each things. Which when we talk about understanding the context or understanding the application, having some of those breakdowns for kids is a really good thing for telling the stories or being that storyteller because it's written right. or translated this way. It's for parents. It's fun, more fun. It's easier to make it a little bit more exciting. Um, it's a great resource, not just for kids this age. It's one um, for new Christians. Um, but I would say look into an NIRV translation for your kids at this age. Um, you may see them under different titles and things, but but definitely check that binding. Um, it goes to, to again, what the original writers, the intent and the translation of the original writers, but in a format that's just a little bit better for your family at that stage of life. So that's been a, a big one for us, finding some of those translations and incorporating them into those nightly Bible studies or de- devotions yeah. uh, has been a huge resource. What about you, other things you come to mind? You know, just be consistent. One of the things... I think if you show it once a week, if you show faith once a week, if you do devotional once a week, that's good. Keep doing it. But man, if you could do something every day, whether that's just praying with your students, with your children, reading scripture to them or with them or having them read it to you or something, be consistent with and stick with it. Don't, if you skip a day, okay, but don't. Don't let that become a habit. If you've been working with your toddler, if you've been reading Bible stories with your younger kids and now they're coming into um, elementary school and school age, their faith is evolving. They are growing spiritually. Um, their perceptions of the stories are changing. So so move slowly. Keep that same mindset. But to exactly what Zachary said, it's consistency. Consistently right. making an effort consistently modeling your faith. Again, as scary as that is, the faith that we're building is really probably the faith that, that we have. So mm-hmm. um, you may have to step your faith game up a yeah. little bit. And that's a huge aspect no matter what age. Right. As a parent, um, we can always be improving as well. And yeah. so set aside that time for your own study. Set aside that time. Uh, maybe at toddlers, you don't have much of your own time and even elementary age, you don't get very much of it, but maybe you have a little more and maybe to really uh, enrich the faith of your children, you need to focus on enriching your own faith. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this talk of our elementary age group in this mini series of the Family Faith in the Village podcast uh, called Faith Building, if you will. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about our junior high students. <laughs> the wild, what an age group. <laughs> In many ways, if I'm being honest, they're my favorite age group. I love junior high kids. But they uh, are so awesome, <laughs> but they bring a whole new world. <laughs> they do. They do. I have listened to a podcast the past couple of weeks, and I think we're missing something, Steve. Uh, this podcast that I've listened to, at the end of it, they're running through like their credits, and they say their producers... Blah, blah, blah. They're sound engineers. 
two or three names. They're fact checkers. They have an engineer, all these people, and then the host. So if if you have a complaint about this podcast, maybe it's just it's just Steve and I. Just us. So That's we it. are we are everything else. That's right. That's right. We are very handicapped in that way. <laughs> so we hope that you would tune in next week to Junior High. If you like what you hear, share this with family and friends. And we hope that this can be a great resource for you and your family in this faith building at home. We'll talk to you next week. Y'all have a great week.